welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we change our origins, find a director for The Flash, prepare to get reborn, and more. Oh, yes. Yes, here we are. The long-awaited 92nd episode of Heck Yeah Comics. I can't believe that we have lasted this long. Well... And I mean that in a good way. Right. We haven't gotten bored with it after 92 weeks. Or we live sad enough lives that even if this is boring to us, we continue? I, You know, I was trying to put an optimistic spin on it, but sure. Sure, let's go with that one. Sure. Just, <laughs> at some point during the show we fall apart. I figure why not just get it away at the beginning. That's... <laughs> It's true. We're doing this out of hate for ourselves. <laughs> I hate myself so much every Wednesday night. I'm going to sit and talk to my friend about comic book. It's the worst. Yep. we. It's just a weird, self-deprecating cycle, people. And welcome to it. We're glad that you're here. I'm David. That's Nick. You're the listening audience. And today's secret word is... Farfig Newton. Remember, if that gets said at any point in the show... One of you gets a prize. And what's the prize, David? I... One of you gets a prize. <laughs> it is a jar of toenail clippings I've been keeping since I was 15. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just kidding. That, other got, news... that got weird. That got real weird. Another, yeah, what, no, what, other, no. what other news? We're not even like on the news yet. What are you trying no, to lay on here in... I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, you're not a great segwayer and I'm not as good as you, which means I'm worse. So yes, so you want, in other news, you want, you want to hear some crap I had to deal with this week. Before, sure, sure, go let's for get it. everybody angry. So I've got a dog. I think I've talked with a dog before. The dog's name is Topanga. She's uh she's a lovely, lovely bitch. I can call her that. She's a female dog. Uh, anyway, we decided we were going to take her out hiking this last weekend and we're out there on the trail she's doing pretty good she's having a good time uh but out of nowhere this other dog appears off leash and there's like signs when you go on this trail that like all dogs must be on leash so this dog appears out of nowhere uh and just like starting to run up and topanga gets really excited about other dogs and gets really worked up but when she's on her leash that can lead to her like freaking out and getting into fights with other dogs uh, so I like hold her back a bit and people I'm with are able to, to stop this other dog from getting too close. And then like 30 seconds later, the people appear, like they were riding their bikes and they said, take their dog along with them. And, uh, and you know, we had to be like, do you guys have a leash? Because this situation isn't working. Uh, and so they like, they begrudgingly leashed their dog. And we're like, oh, is she really like that bad? And we're like, like we don't, the, the dogs hadn't met. We don't know what's going to happen, but we want to avoid that situation because yeah. I don't want the dogs getting into a fight and then you getting all stupid about it. 
because well, I mean, because they, people would be a clear cut case that they would lose. Well, yeah, and it gets worse. So they like put their dog in the leash, and like the person has to not bike for a minute. They have to walk the dog, you know, fifty feet ahead, and then like let the dog off or whatever. And so we turn around, we start heading back, and they like come by again. So I get like to ping off the side of the road, and they like leashed the dog, uh, and she she says uh, as she's going by, you know, you're supposed to socialize them, and then uh, like you know they proceed to like get the dog off the leash, and there's like this other couple who was walking the opposite direction that uh, they had a dog, and they saw. Like, their dog was off-leash, but they saw, oh, there's a dog up there. Let's stop and put our dog in the leash. Still not what's supposed to happen, but, hey, they were in control of their dog. Uh, and as this as this woman uh, is passing by these people, we hear them, we hear her tell them, uh, be careful, there's a mean dog up ahead. At no point did we say that our dog was mean. And, like... I don't want to get super angry on this podcast, um, but I kind of hate this person, like, a lot. Like, don't assume that you have any idea, like, what about my dog or what I've done with my dog. Like, you're supposed to socialize them. Uh, okay, I got her from the SBCA. Didn't have her from birth. I've attempted to socialize her. She still gets in fights with other dogs sometimes. You don't know my life. What I do know is your life. You're judgmental and should not have a dog because apparently you think that everything is sunshine and rainbows. And I, you know, I'm wanting to say a lot of really horrible words right now, but I'm not going to. Going so basically, to it's a, a clear cut example of diffusing responsibility instead of just recognizing that they were in the wrong, that they should have had their dog on the leash, regardless of another dog's temperament or demeanor. They were breaking the local ordinance. And just because you gave them a little flack for having their not having their dog on a leash had is no bearing on whether or not your dog is somehow temperamental and prone to fights. And this whole like you're supposed to socialize them is such bullshit. Because there's another dog in our apartment complex named Josie. Josie is a wonderful dog. I love Josie. Um, and Topanga and Josie used to get along. We haven't, they haven't really seen each other in a while, but we were walking the other day, and I see Josie, and I know that she's been kind of having some issues with dogs. So I'm like, hey, is it cool if we say hello? Because uh, her owner uh, was being kind of like, you know, kind of going out of the way to like avoid. So I just didn't know what was going on. And she's like, no, like, she's not really good at that anymore. So Josie, who has socialized a lot uh, as a puppy, has now started to get really temperamental with other dogs and get into fights. So that's me throwing a pen because I'm, you know. Is that the mic drop? It's just, it's a lot of things. I don't know why I decided to bring this up. I just I uh, think I wanted to be angry again. I think you needed to vent i think trying, you had a lot on your mind I'm trying, and i can understand i'm trying to unleash the hulk inside of me there you go there's something comic related uh, <laughs> yeah no i i were saying that's definitely a frustrating and annoying situation and at the end of the day it's just she should have just been like chill and just been like yeah we should totally put our dog on a leash i'm sorry not oh i had to put my dog on leash because this person's dog is probably crazy no but and nothing, like, for all we know, nothing could have happened. The dogs could have met and been fine. But I didn't want anything to happen. So, really, like, I was doing that for their benefit. 
Yeah, where they rather put their dog on a leash or potentially experience a lawsuit that they would inevitably lose because oh. their dog wasn't on the leash to begin with. Yeah, that, that shit would have gone down. Yeah, I don't have the money for that. For legal fees, are you kidding me? Uh, I'm pretty uh, sure if you win, you would have been in a pillow your lower back, no problem. Because um, they would have been sued for enough to at least cover your legal costs. At least $13 million in emotional damages. Uh, that's <laughs> yes. the baseline yes. where I'm starting. And some should go to your co-host, Nick, just because, like, he was pretty traumatized I'm by the story. I'm pretty sure I should sue you for emotional damages based on Whoa. everything. Whoa. What? Hey, Nick. To the Batmobile. Let's go. What comics did you read this week? It was a very rebirthy week. It was a um, rebirth. Yes. I read just about all of them that came. I didn't read Aquaman. It's on my to read list i'm kind of trying to cover at least all of the rebirth issues of the comics Mm -hmm. just to kind of see what the new creative teams are doing what the directions are going in Mm -hmm. um so far so good um the one that i read that i know you didn't was the flash rebirth and so for those that have read the dc universe rebirth one shot this is probably the next best place to continue that thread it basically it basically is about what Barry was doing preceding Wally showing up and just after Wally showing up. Um, so they, they revisit that same scene of Barry and Wally reuniting in DC Universe Rebirth, but you get it more from Barry's perspective than from Wally's perspective. Uh, and they kind of show what Wally does after they embrace, and more or less he just kind of runs off. Um, so it's written by Joshua Williamson, and the art is by, and I always mess up his name. Oh, I always forget. My tablet doesn't do that. <laughs> uh, um, should have had it up. Should have had it up. The artist on Flash Rebirth. The I think it's Carmine D. Like Gaminkio or something like that. But I don't want to. Where did the Flash go? This is where bad. did the Flash go? <laughs> Uh, and other okay. such mysteries today in Amazing Comics number 727. Well, okay. Uh, Flash disappeared from my computer. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, anyway, it's drawn by a guy who I like. Okay. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. And it, like I said, it, it takes place uh, around the DC Universe Rebirth issue. It uh, and if you've read any interviews with Joshua Williamson, um, you know that this is going to involve lightning striking in Central City, which causes several new speedsters to erupt or emerge, uh, one of which who is going to be a serial killer, hmm. uh, who I don't know if they're just killing indiscriminately or if they're only focusing on the other speedsters that come up. Uh, this serial killer speedster is going to be called Godspeed. You see a glimpse of him in this issue. The lightning hasn't struck yet, so I don't think the other speedsters have emerged. It seems like Barry's getting visions of things to come. He has a vision of Zoom. Um, but the issue opens um, basically re... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Or phrase basically shows you like it doesn't show you Barry's mother's murder, but it basically shows like Barry's investigating a murder that's just like his mom. So they use it to kind of recap kind of Barry's origin story, his modern origin story, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of moves on from there. I know you've expressed a little criticism when reading Joshua Williamson's re- uh, Birthright comics um, that like the dialogue isn't your favorite. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying it's the greatest dialogue but there's something about it that like at least his characters feel in my opinion distinct 
And uh, I haven't checked out a lot of Flash runs. I mean, there's like Jeff Johns' Barry Allen reboot after Flash Rebirth. Uh, and then I did check out a little bit of the New 52 Flash early on. But um, sometimes like if the characters aren't written in a certain way, like I just, for a character that I'm not always just like always full in on, it's sometimes hard for me to get like my, my bearings around. But that being said, I did like the dialogue this issue. I liked the characterization uh, and I was able to get sucked into the story. So in that case, it was very... I don't know what is going on with my brain. Um, um, but basically, it highlights the murder and then touches on the Wally stuff. I liked it. I mean, as far as The Flash goes, like I definitely think I'm going to continue on with this series. I'm going to add it on full-time. Uh, I'm in, I'm intrigued about where like the serial killer angle and like the the, the new speedsters are gonna go. I think I don't know. Oh, actually, in DC Universe Rebirth, the the for lack of a better term, Black Wally West uh, looks like he has powers. I mean, you don't. What do you mean, lack of a better term? That's pretty accurate. I don't know. It's whatever. Uh, I think he already has powers. I know he's going to be involved in this whole like second lightning and the serial killer and all that. Um, I mean, basically Wally shows up and then runs off. I'm assuming he'll come back around to the book, but I think he's kind of going to go off and do his Titan stuff. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, I mean, there's a lot, a lot, of my, uh, not a lot else to say. Um, there was like, one moment, uh, like in DC Universe Rebirth, Wally tries to, to talk to Linda, his his wife, in the previous continuity, and she doesn't remember him. And Barry's like, oh, "You're Iris's nephew. Let me in, let me uh, reconnect you with her." And he's like, "No, like she probably doesn't remember me." And I'm thinking, like, okay, Linda might not remember you because you haven't met yet, but presumably, if you're at the age you're at now, she, um, Iris, probably remembers that like you were born. And is probably wondering, like, either if she's forgotten about you, either like you're, she, I guess because he's been completely erased, that's maybe that's why he didn't want to confront her. Like, maybe she wouldn't know him. But I mean, it's tough to, I guess, I guess in that case, it's some, whatever is caught, like, whatever I mean, like, I guess Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen universe is like, like, his history happened, people just don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's basically the, the gist of the issue, but I enjoyed it and I recommend that people check it out. David, tell me about a comic you read. Okay, so outside of uh, of Rebirth stuff, and we're going to touch on a, a few of those, the ones that you and I both read, uh, I was only able to get around to Howard the Duck this week, uh, which is Howard the Duck number eight, uh, which actually takes place directly at, after Howard the Duck number five. Uh, why there was a two-issue delay, I know one was the Squirrel Girl qu- crossover, uh, the other was the standalone story. I don't know why, though. Um, anyway, uh, in this book, Howard is reuniting with Beverly, who was a central character in, I guess, the Howard the Duck storylines back in the day. Uh, was his partner, uh, best friend. They like really go out of their way to avoid any semblance of a love interest. Mm-hmm. Um which, I, I mean, I guess is fine. And uh, I don't really have a lot of history with this Beverly character. And I think this issue would have hit me a bit more if I did. Um, but that's not to say that they don't do a good job kind of explaining who they are, what their connection is, 
why they're no longer, you know, causing problems together, uh, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it kind of just gets to, like, her telling him, uh, like, look, trouble is always following you no matter where you go. There's no normal life for you. Uh, and he's like, oh, what are, you, what are you talking about? Of course there's a normal life. To which, uh, what's he called here? Uh, the Iron Punisher shows up, which is a, uh, a sentinel that um, that Scarlet Witch made dream. And so he became, like, oddly sentient and decided he was going to kill all superhumans, not just, uh, not just mutants. Uh, but he ends up getting killed by the end of the issue. Spoiler alert. Um, so I don't really know what the point of him was. Uh, but it's just kind of to illustrate that there's always wacky stuff happening to Howard. And he doesn't really have, you know, a normal life for him at any point. And uh, it's it's it's, a, it's an emotional, touching issue. Um, it, I, I, I still, like, again, like, I don't know why there was a, a two-issue delay in all of these. Uh, and, you know, it, it ends in kind of a ridiculous, funny way. It ends in a way that I'm, I'm kind of happy to see where, okay, we're not going to spend any more time doing crazy cosmic adventures like we're going to get in telling just like a, a normal kind of contained... I mean, not normal. It's going to be weird and funny. Um, but <laughs> it's not like them, you know, bouncing around the galaxy, which was kind of, I feel like, Marvel's MO for a lot of these characters for a while. It was like, all right, cool. Look, they start out in New York City, and then they're in space. Uh so it'll be nice to have them just stay in, in New York City uh, for a little bit. Aunt May also wears this really weird outfit for Aunt May, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, all in all, it's a it's a nice little issue. Um, I would say pretty par for the course. It's not as funny as the last issue was. Uh, and if you're like a longtime Howard the Duck fan, this is probably really great for you. Um did you but, read the Squirrel Girl crossover? I didn't actually. I didn't read. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I know I'm a terrible human being, apparently. Uh, and so I just I hadn't actually read the second half, which is the Howard the Duck issue, because I started to, and it's like, oh, I didn't read the Squirrel Girl issue. I'm probably missing a lot. Uh, so maybe I'll get around to it at some point. So, wait, were there two issues tying into the Squirrel Girl thing? There was, was no, that... no, no. It was Squirrel Girl and then Howard the Duck were... Number seven? Yeah, uh, number six. And then number, number seven... Six. Oh, and seven number was seven Savage was, Land. Yeah, when he was on the... Yeah. I mean, maybe that'll come back up. Who knows? Gotcha. Cool. Uh, yeah, but that's... That is where... Uh, that leaves off. I don't... I don't know what I was trying to say there. Uh, Howard the Duck, number eight. It's a book... And uh, it's yeah, if you're, yeah, it's a thing. Let's... It's a book. It's made with paper, and it's got illustrations on it with words slapped on top. And if you like that kind of stuff, then you will like Howard the Duck. Yes. Great. If you like an anthropomorphic duck walking around without pants on, uh, go watch a. Actually, I think he has pants on. Yes, yeah, so yeah, wear pants has... legally. Yes. Does he really? Yes. I believe this was obviously decades ago, but I believe Disney actually kind of. I don't know if sued he, is he, the right word, but they basically said that Marvel had to change him so he didn't get confused with Donald Duck. Uh, yeah, they actually have flashbacks in this to like to old adventures, and he's not wearing pants. Yeah, he wasn't wearing pants for a bit until they uh, stepped, Disney stepped in and said he's got to wear pants. 
Uh, or I guess, I don't know if they said he had to wear pants or if that was the compromise so that he could keep going. Yeah, and you know, he's been such a cornerstone of our culture with that wonderful movie that we've all seen and loved. Uh, but yeah, now we're going to dive into a bit more of the Rebirth stuff. If okay. you didn't know, uh, so the way that Beverly was depicted in this issue uh-huh. was to look exactly like the actress that played her in the Howard the Duck movie. Well, I was trying, all right, I was trying not to spoil the ending here, but the ending, Leah Thompson shows up, who was the actress that played her in the movie, oh. and says, uh, Howard's next mystery, my name's Leah Thompson, and I need your help finding a missing person myself and that's where it leads off oh i did not realize that i thought it was just beverly depicted as leah thompson okay so beverly looks different from leah thompson uh they look vaguely similar Mm. well because because beverly see i was trying to spoil things uh beverly disappears oh so he's like talking to her and then she vanishes no he leaves and then uh she vanishes and uh then when he's back in New York, Leah Thompson shows up. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, David, tell me about what you thought, because we both read it, Wonder Woman Rebirth by Greg Rucka and Various. <laughs> and Various. Uh, yes, so there was a few different artists on this thing. Oh, and sorry, the Flash artist was Carmine D. Um, butchering this, like Jaminkio. Jim- yeah, there's a lot of name in there. Just wanted to throw that out there because I don't want someone to not be represented. Uh, all right. So Wonder Woman Rebirth, uh, Greg Rucka as the writer. Uh, you have Matthew Clark doing the first 14 pages and Liam Sharp doing the last uh, five or so, it seems. Um, just a quick, just to say where we're at, uh, for those familiar or unfamiliar with Wonder Woman's origins, uh, she essentially has two at this point. Uh, in one, this is pre-New 52, uh, the Queen of the Amazons wished for a daughter, and then she made one out of clay uh, and was made real. And then in the post-52, she is the uh, daughter of Zeus, the god, and uh, Hippolyta, the Queen of the Amazons. And she had been raised to believe that she was uh, made out of clay for quite some time uh, and then found out that she was a demigod. And this issue is about those two origins conflicting, that Wonder Woman uh, is not sure what the truth is Mm -hmm. and she is setting off to find the truth. All in all, I really enjoyed this uh when you first told me about it i got like a little bit worried because i thought it seemed like they were gonna put the um you know the the daughter of zeus storyline down and we'll get your opinion on that in a moment Uh, but reading through this it really it this kind of speaks to the whole rebirth idea where they're saying like Okay, we're gonna we're gonna shift around some ideas, and and we're gonna take some good, take some bad, uh, the take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Um, but in this one, they're kind of like they're kind of facing the new Fifty Two issues head on, where it's like, yeah, we changed things, uh, and for this character, we're not sure what the truth is yet, and it's it's very introspective in uh, for the character of Wonder Woman. 
She is spending most of her time asking herself who she is. And uh, when she goes to go try to see the gods, they, you know, something's wrong. And so she goes off on this mission. And uh, yeah, I thought this did a really good job setting up where the Wonder Woman series is going to launch out of. Uh, it, I, I don't think I have anything against Greg Rucka, but so it, it's, it's, this is one that one of the books that, uh, is much more higher concept than some of the other rebirth books, which not to say there's not like really cool concepts, but like this one is really going to like try to get into your head and, and mess around. Uh, I'm a little disappointed about I, I was really looking forward to just picking up the even numbers and diving into the whole uh, Wonder Woman year one. But the way that this kind of reads is if I want to get the whole story, I'm going to have to read uh, everything. Oh. So that I'm a little unhappy about, but it might be worth it. Uh, that's just my initial thoughts. We can dig some more into specifics. Nick, how about your initial thoughts? So I think it was a more than competently well-written issue. I think Greg Ricker typically, when he's got his heart uh, in the game, can tell some pretty compelling stories. Uh, I haven't read a ton of Greg Ricker stuff, but the stuff that I have, I've, I've generally liked. Um, I, I did express this to you, and it's part of it is that it. So it's like the whole thing, like she's caught, like, who am I? Who is Wonder Woman? What am I supposed to be? What do I stand for? What do people see me as? Like, I just feel like that happens every few years. Wonder Woman is questioning herself. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with um, some healthy introspection, as you said, some healthy reevaluation and all that from a narrative piece. It feels like Wonder Woman, like they they only know what to do with her for like short stints and then she goes through a bunch of like bad creative periods and they kind of have to be like all right what were we trying to do with this character so it's just like i feel like every every period every few years or something like that she's being reevaluated and being like who is she what does she stand for what is she all about um, what do people need her to be and i feel like that's kind of one of the meta narratives of the story and it's like oh, okay wonder woman can't just go and be wonder woman um so obviously some of this is like my, my biases sneaking, uh, sinking in. Um, I would agree that it's not like the reason I think it's discounting the, the Zeus, the, you know, Zeus has her father angle is that the whole idea that like the helmet from Ares that she supposedly wasn't supposed to be able to crush. And then she crushes it makes me seem that like things that she'd experienced and gone through during the Azarello run, you know, if that helmet is what it was supposed to be, she shouldn't have been able to do that, but she did it. So it's almost like it's part of some kind of smoke screen that's been put up. And now that she's starting to see that, the, as she says, someone put this lie up. So what, but it hasn't said like, is the lie the Ares thing, like, or like the demigod and all that angle. But I mean, if it was the clay thing, then, and the Ares thing was real, then that helmet should have been real. She shouldn't have been able to crush it. Well, it, it, it... Sorry, if you, if you have more to say, uh, feel free to just... What's your, what's your response? Well, uh, because at the end she says, this is not Olympus. Change the story as much as you like. Whoever you are, you will not succeed. Like, that, to me, was, was saying that there's not a definite leaning one way or the other, that Olympus itself has been corrupted, or uh, that, like, Mount Olympus does exist, but it's for some reason out of her reach uh, at this time. 
so that 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 for me um is it's just like that's why i'm like not sold that they're that they are like underselling it and that they're like being like ah oh, but it's probably not like i it feels like they're trying to say no nah, there's like really something big going on here that you you, you don't know yet mm-hmm no, I mean, obviously, I need to let the story unfold, but it's more of like I'm. Part of me is, thinks it's unfortunate that the story has to be told to begin with, and I think this is kind of an extension of the greater issues that I've had with Rebirth. Is the feeling that it's like, you know, the people that are in charge editorially are more or less the same people that have been in charge since like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. and I'm not one of those guys that's like rah rah replace them or fire them. Like you know, people need jobs and to you know and Obviously, if they had done such bad stuff, they would have been fired at this point. And I, I'm not, I'm not about that at all. But it's sort of, it's the same creative people making mistakes and then sort of backtrack and being like, well, we probably shouldn't have done that. And obviously, Greg Rucker wasn't necessarily one of those people. Um, but it, it just, it's unfortunate that if he's going to come back to Wonder Woman, that his job is basically to clean house and kind of rearrange the furniture back to the way it quote unquote should be before presumably moving forward with additional stories see and and this is an issue where i felt like they they're not saying like oh we need to rearrange the furniture back to where it would be like they're saying this is one where you know the character doesn't have a a a defined set that we're moving towards uh much in the way that you know they're kind of shifting some stuff around for say the flash or like Aquaman where they're where they're trying to get stuff back to where it should be. This is like things are kind of open right now. Yeah, and I mean with the Flash stuff, I think I, I obviously I, I if I'm giving Wonder Woman this particular criticism and it's not like I said it's not like the issue itself, it's more the fact that the issue exists and what it like what its purpose is for and what it's trying to do is something that I'm not I'm lukewarm towards. And I would say the same thing with the Flash obviously like it, it touches on the DC universe rebirth stuff and you know, I'm lukewarm to that. Uh, not necessarily the execution, but the, the, the intent and the, and the, the, nest, the need for it. Um, but I mean, I think Joshua Williamson, I feel like Wally West is going to go off to Titans and I'm assuming at some point the flash will probably tie back into the greater rebirth narrative. But I think, that, that it was sort of like him addressing it and then moving on. Now he's going to tell this serial killer story. So it's not like the run's going to be about Barry having to realize that his whole life is a lie. Like he's like he's telling something else. This is one woman being like using rebirth as a jumping pad or launch point to kind of be like to to reflect on her two um, conflicting origin narratives and figure out what the truth is. And obviously there's a story that's the lies and there's the truth and what you're probably going to see in the truth is what really happened, which is probably going to be a third origin narrative that probably cobbles together aspects of the two, and then it's just like, all right, there's another one. I don't know. My... I don't know. You, I mean, hey, it's fine. You're bitter and jaded, uh, and that's that's okay, man. That's all right. But I do have to ask, why, when something is critically acclaimed, do you feel the need to be against it? <laughs> I don't think I'm against everything that's critically acclaimed. I mean, Days of Future Past. Uh, okay, okay. Wonder, Wonder Woman Past. Rebirth number one. Which one? Wonder Woman Rebirth number one. Oh, okay. So two Get, things. Getting great critical reviews. Uh, I, me, I said, did I not me. say that it was a more than competently well-written issue? 
but you're like not like super I'm not all about it. it. Yeah, bro. You can you can execute something flawlessly, and then I can still be like, that's not for me. You know. That being said, I'm probably gonna read the next like at least like the first few issues of like the lies and the, and the truth just to see because like obviously this is me judging just the rebirth issue and kind of being like this mm-hmm. might not be going in a direction that I like but I think I can afford to at least read like maybe at least like the next two issues the first mm-hmm. lies and the first truth issue just to see like kind of what the direction it's going in and then reevaluate it there yeah so when 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 they announced like oh we're doing these rebirth titles before launching it at number one I actually kind of got upset about that I thought it was super gimmicky and really dumb but actually having read a few of them now I really like it uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a very smart move uh, because it's allowing uh, it's a good entry point for people to get a really good feeling for what these books are going to be and then decide whether or not they're going to go with it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just like to eat my own words on what I have said in the past. Um, but continuing on in, uh, in sorry, are, are just more for thoughts? those that might be sorry curious. Right now, and let me just see when it ends. If you are interested in the Brian Azzarello Wonder Woman run, the entire run is currently on sale, 99 cents an issue. I believe there's about 35 issues of it. Uh, It's not telling me how long it's going on sale for, but if you go on Comixology, you can get the entire Azzarello run uh, for 99 cents an issue. So you don't already cool. own them which i don't own all of them uh might be yeah, worth it i think i'm missing the last volume i don't remember if there's how many of them there are but i think i have four of them i think there's five uh, it, other stuff that came out we had two books return to legacy numbering this week uh, what does that mean it means that action comics and detective comics are returning to their original print numbers in the 900s why don't we start with Detective Comics number 934. Nick, what did you think? Um, I, like I told you in text, I I actually liked it overall. Uh, I like the fact that there's a Batman team book when you have so many, you know, characters falling under the Bat family umbrella. Obviously, not everyone's going to get a series or has enough steam power to... To, to maintain a series so the fact that they could take a few of these characters and put them under this book together and i think the conceit the idea that a like usually a lot of his the extended members are uh, adolescent you know the idea that like he would probably do some kind of formal training program for them makes a lot of sense so i think this is a book that needs to exist um uh, I like the fact that Batwoman is, you know, I, I definitely would enjoy like a good, competently written like Batwoman solo series again. But I think the idea of having Batwoman being treated as Batman's equal, uh, as well as being basically the drill sergeant and and utilizing her military history uh, as kind of like why she's the best fit out of maybe any of the other adult Batman characters to sort of train this unit, um, you know, is is spot on. The only thing I cringed at was just, and and I'll you know I'll go back to that particular page, but was just the way that there was like I think it was like a two page spread, and her dad was just like, by the way, honey, like you know like you work best like on a team unit when like her entire solo series. I don't think he ever brought up that opinion or or anything like that. Like it's, 
I'm not saying that he's wrong or that she probably doesn't work better on like a team unit, but she's been acting solo this entire time and presumably has been operating for a while. So to say that like she has been less than stellar, I think is a little weird for a dad to say. And just from sort of like being sort of a critical analysis, it was just a very heavy handed way to set up the fact that, Oh, Batman, a page later is going to be like, by the way, do you want to lead this team? Just from like a like a writer's perspective, it was just like I feel like it was a very heavy handed, unpolished way to kind of get the point across that Batwoman should lead the team. You know what I mean? Like his basically on the next section, Bruce is like, I want you to lead this team and this is why. So you're almost getting it repeated twice. Right. Uh so yeah, it's it's Batman putting together a team consisting of uh, Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, uh, Cassandra Kane, and uh, Clayface, interestingly enough. Uh, and the reason they're all banding together is because somebody is watching the vigilantes of Gotham and and is going to make some move, and uh, Asriel appears in this book, which I'm, uh, I'm cool with. Uh, but yeah, I was actually really excited to see Batwoman take a front and center role. Um, I really liked, uh, I really like the role she's, she's being placed in. Like you said, I really like when, uh, she's addressing them and is like, you know, you have earned Batman's trust. You have not earned mine. Uh, and then kind of goes into her whole spiel. Uh, I don't really know much about the character and I never really understood. I understand to a level why she's always been off on her own. Um, but I never understood why she didn't have some level of attachment to the Bat family. Wait, which one? Uh, Batwoman. Batwoman, okay, sorry. Uh, so this, like, I thought this kind of helped to establish that, where you have the reveal that her and Bruce Wayne are cousins, uh, and that she knew the whole time, because obviously, come on. Um, and, and not necessarily saying like, all right, you're permanently in the fold and, and you and I are going to, you know, be manning every single mission together. But it's like, hey, we're going to bring you just a little bit closer into what we're doing. Um, the art mostly worked for me. I'm actually starting to think that I don't know if I love everybody drawing the new costume for Batman. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought it was really great when Capullo did it. But seeing it in some other books now it's it's not always working for me 100 percent mm -hmm. um and maybe that's just in a more photorealistic style i don't know hard to say uh overall though i did did enjoy the book do you have any other thoughts do you want to any, anything else you want to say so i really enjoy eddie barrows i think he's bringing his a game to this book overall he's got some great inventive page lay layouts but at the same time it's very easy to follow the story um which is great the character expressions and all that like this is a guy that's been around the industry for a while i want to say um and i think in most of his work when he's got like enough time to really put his put uh not have to rush it or anything i, I think he does a stellar job i mean it's it's obviously not new news that you know batwoman and batman are actually cousins that's been established before i did think it was uh very funny how like he was just like i'm bruce wayne i'm your cousin and she's like yeah i know i was like it's kind of nice getting like a one-up on bruce like <gasps> you know like 
you know, dude, give me a little more credit. Like, it, I don't think I think the average person would figure out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but whatever. Well, um, well, but she says, "Don't underestimate me. We're cousins." That's her excuse, not just like anybody could figure out. It's like uh, we're related, duh. Because you're so genius, I'm so genius. Wait, she doesn't say that because she says, "Okay, sorry. Oh, come on, don't start understanding me now. We're cousins." Because he's about uh, to ask, "How did you know that?" Because gotcha. they have the same blood. But it's, it's cool because, I mean, when you think of Bruce Wayne, like, it's just Alfred. Like, he, another Alfred, like, his family family, like, obviously Alfred's family. But it's nice being that, like, Bruce, even though his parents died and he technically doesn't have any siblings, that, like, he still has extended family out there that he's blood related to. And it's kind of cool that, like, they are creating a familial connection between the two of them. So I'm glad. Like, I agree that... I mean, she would make, like, guest spots and stuff. Like, she had her solo series. She appeared in, like, she came out in, like, the 52 Weekly series. Um, and, like, I think she popped in Batman Eternal for a bit. Um, so, I mean, she's, you know, they, they just, DC just never took the time to, like, actually get her into the fold. And I think this is a great opportunity for her to do so. So, uh, other than that, no. Oh. It also didn't occur people, to me that her hair was a wig for the longest time. Uh, Oh, if you if you haven't read like the Greg Rucka, speaking of which, speaking of Greg Rucka, if you haven't read like his initial Batwoman series from Detective Comics with J.H. Williams Arts, like art, you definitely should. It's well, really good. Okay. Um, that's my recommendation. <laughs> um, uh, I also like the inclusion of Clayface here. Like, it seems a little weird having him in here, but I like the fact that like they're approaching him from like the tragic ang- ang- angle where he was an actor, you know, he was pretty, um, like he was on the up and up and then the accident happened and he became a monster and he basically like, well, if I'm going to look like a monster, I'm going to be a monster. So I like that. And I like that too often, like they say Batman's about like, not about just like punching and and kicking the criminals in the teeth. Like he's about reforming their stuff, but you rarely see it. They just get carted off to Arkham and that's that. Mm -hmm. So I like that. He's actually basically creating an outreach program and including Clayface on this particular endeavor. Um, and I also think that for Clayface offers an interesting power set and he's so distinct looking from all the other sort of lean, mean fighting machine characters that, uh, I'm very curious where he goes. So yeah, good book actually. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed. I'm going to keep reading that one. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, Um, maybe I'll start actually reading detective comics that I've been picking up for the last two years. I uh, really need to read that to read pile, guys. It's getting real bad. Real bad. It's like I'm spending money, but I'm not... <laughs> not doing anything with it. Uh, also, uh, this week, as we said, was Action Comics number 957, which sees not only the return to the legacy numbering, but return to of Clark Kent from the pre-52 universe as Superman, confronting Superman. confronting Lex Luthor. Uh, who wants to be the new Superman. Yes. Well, who doesn't want to be, who claims he is the new Superman. And uh, and the two of them come to blows over it, while at the same time, a reporter from the Daily Planet shows up to cover the story, and it's Clark Kent? <laughs> What's going on, folks? So this issue did a pretty good job of setting up um, a bunch of different plot lines. Obviously, Luther as Superman the reveal of um, 
the, the pre-52 Superman back in, into the world. Uh, I kind of like that in, in many ways, like Clark's decision to out himself to the world was very almost petty and personal, like to a large extent understandable. I mean, we're, and obviously this version, this the, the new 52 Lex Luthor has done some pretty horrendous things as well. Like he's no saint. Um, but for, as far as like this Clark is concerned, like he couldn't find any dirt on him. He just was going on the preconceived notions that Lex Luthor from his world, because that guy was such a monster that like he would be up to no good. And then the fact that like he outed himself, not because like there was this world ending threat and he was needed, but because there was this guy that he absolutely loathes wearing his symbol and he just couldn't stand that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw some people on Reddit, um, like kind of having an issue with the way that Superman was talking about Lex Luthor. And I was like, you know, isn't he believe in the good and everybody and all that? And I, I think he does except for Lex Luthor of his world. Uh, when it got to that point, like the, they make an interesting point that the Lex of this world they've looked into and he's not that, you know, he's not that same guy. There is still that potential for him to be like the hero I mean, not the hero, but for him to not be this, the supervillain. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's but, done some horrendous stuff even during the New 52. He just hasn't been caught. Right. It's all been very under wraps. He has not been a criminal or the president of the United States. Uh, it's, it was a confusing time, guys. Don't worry about it. Uh, but Lex is just such like a presence that Superman can't abide. I also like that Lex Luthor is essentially Iron Man uh, minus a helmet. Which is just like, okay, if he's like fighting in debris and stuff and shit's flying everywhere, there's no way he's not going to get hit in the head. Like, unless he's got some sort of invisible force field around his face, which mm-hmm. he probably should. Just uh, in that line of work, you don't want to just have your face completely exposed if you're not a superhuman. Yeah. Uh, I will say there was one line of dialogue that made me kind of laugh. Uh, and that is when they really built up that Clark Kent, the reporter, is also here, like, for several pages before just revealing it, which I thought they kind of drew, like, drew out a little too long, uh, but then when they cut back to uh, Lois and there's, and John watching the report, it's like, Mom, that's not Dad, so how can, to which Lois says, I am as, I am as baffled as you, John, like, the, what? I am as baffled as you. What, who's, who would say that in that situation? <laughs> the, Dan Jurgens, obviously, he's been around the industry for a while. He obviously did the original Death of Superman story. Uh, his writing can sometimes be a little quaint. Uh, I would it's say not like this. Quaint. That's like something I would say ironically. Like, I am just baffled. It's kind of like, I mean, maybe when you're talking to your kid, you kind of talk and you, you, you don't be like, you're, you're not going to be like, oh, what the fuck do I know? Sorry, excuse my language. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was interesting. Also, I like the fact that supposedly, so Perry White's there in, you know, the Daily Plant being like, I need someone to get down there and, and, and report on this story. And then you obviously see Clark Kent's legs running out of the office being like, I'm on it, Perry. Oh, yeah. This... Perry has no idea. He's like, uh, that sounded almost like, and obviously in this universe, you know, Superman was revealed to be Clark Kent and then is presumed to be missing or dead. So, and obviously I don't think he was employed at the daily planet after he got revealed because I think he even had a falling out with Perry, 
So what was this Clark Kent doing? Was he like hanging out around the office and no he, one noticed? Dude, he had to make some copies for his like for the posters for his jam band. They had a show that night, and he had to go put some up in the uh, the local Metropa Bean. I can think of a good Metropolis Cafe. <laughs> Metropa Bean. Metropa Bean. Metropa Coffee. Metropa. Metropa. Uh, no, nah, it's, it's it's here somewhere. Keep talking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, crack this code. Um, but I just it's just like an, an awkward, like a weird scene. Metropo drip, metropo just... drip. We're good. Tropo drip, like drip coffee. All right, fine. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, just to see him, just like I'm on it, Perry, and just like, like, does this Clark Kent have any sense of like self awareness, like whether he's the new Fifty Two Superman without his powers, or he's a clone? or um, like stranded on from some other universe or like uh, the only thing I could think of is his mind must be wiped. Um, let's see if we go to where is here. Metropo like, no Joe. How do we feel about Metropo Joe? Nap. I hate it. Oh, Jimmy. So it. Jimmy's like, but, but you're, it's a long story, Jimmy, but it's me. I'm back. So uh, there's a feeling I mean that this Clark, and this is just maybe me reading into it, has a familiarity with this Jimmy. Like the the pre fifty two Superman wouldn't just go up to this Jimmy and be like super chummy with him. Like obviously he has his own Jimmy Olsen, but he wouldn't just be like, yeah, Jimmy, like we cool, we bros. Be like, no, like you're a Jimmy, but you're not my Jimmy. Um, this Clark is speaking very familial to to Jimmy, and says like and, and ha- acknowledges that he that obviously people are understandably confused, but that he's back. So I'm just saying, and if he's, if, if he's saying it like that, then his mind probably wasn't wiped. He's aware of some kind of shit going down. But again, what was he doing at the daily planet <laughs> that no one noticed? I mean, if the guy that's revealed to be Superman walks into your office, like you, you'd probably say something. So that's look, my no, look, man, he had, he had the glasses on. Um, the glasses confuse and confound. Yeah, but I mean, people, once you know that Clark Kent is Superman, I imagine everyone that's worked with him for years would also be like, huh, Clark Kent wears glasses. This guy looks oddly like Superman with glasses, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. But he's supposed to be missing or dead. What's he doing here? Why is he using Clark's computer, who we haven't filled his seat for yet? And it's just, it's like, it's, it's probably like the one weak point in the issue overall, where it was just like, Wow! Again, what was he doing there? Because uh, so they show in the final days of Superman um, event or whatever the one just before this that like people when they're trying to get into the building like have to check in like they have to do like a security badge mm-hmm. to get onto the Daily Planet floor. And I mean, how did he get onto the floor without some kind of credentials? If he's saying he's Clark Kent, he probably had Clark Kent credentials. And why didn't he get flagged? And someone be like, "Wait, Clark Kent's in the building." So, I mean, I know that Finally the Superman was written by a different writer, but I imagine that there was some conversation about that. And I know that this is going to get uh, unveiled over time. And I realize I'm really kind of stuck on it. And I'm not, like, being super negative <laughs> about it. I'm just more like, it's kind it, of it is, wacky. It is a point that you, funny. yeah, that has stopped just, you dead in your track. It, and I'm like, I really want the answer now. Thankfully, these are double bi-weekly comics, so I guess I want to wait that long to find out. Very true. We also uh, have, I can't remember, Mr. Oz, is that what they called him? Dr. Oz? Uh, that mysterious figure who appeared to uh, Pre-52 Superman 
Yeah. Makes a brief appearance in this issue watching a bunch of screens. So what's going on, man? What's going on? We shall see. But yeah, I mean, I'm I would say Patrick Zercher's art was fantastic in this. Like very clear, sturdy, confident line work. Um, you know, I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as individual issues go, I would say that Rebirth is off to a strong start. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, and that's really really awesome. It very encouraging. Uh, I, I mentioned to you before the show that the guy who owns my comic shop was saying that he, uh, they were out of Action Comics before I got there, that he had had a whole bunch of people add the book out of nowhere just before uh, Wednesday. And so he didn't have enough order, like uh, books ordered even to cover subscriptions, uh, which, you know, that's, that's really good for comic shops. Um, but I mean that just that speaks encouragingly to to what's going on with Rebirth and that people are reacting very positively and are willing to to jump in despite the burn some people got from uh, New Fifty Two. Uh, probably helps that there's not fifty two books to have to invest in right off the bat. Uh, but unless you have any other thoughts on stories, we will move on to to. Hold on, don't worry about it. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Bringing us the news. Yes, the news. The first thing in the news is that John Boyega has been cast as the lead in Pacific Rim. How dare you? That's that's not comic book news. This is relevant because Pacific Rim has uh, had some comic books, but but David did not want me to say this, said it was not relevant to comic books. Not. I would say that there's some cross pollination between people that like Pacific Rim and people that read comics, though, especially those that you know. I don't know read Pacific Rim comics, so I mean, like, they might be curious to know that John Boyega has been cast as the lead. What that might mean for, say, Charlie Hunnam's characters and crap, what's her name? Well, Mako Mori in the, the uh-huh. movie. I'm blanking on the actress's name, but I don't know what it means for their characters. Supposedly, he's going to be the son of Idris Elba's character, who I'm blanking on his name. Uh, and the only one I can remember is uh, Hercules. Hercules Hansen, who Hercules. was the father of like the shithead in the movie. Yeah, but I just Hercules love that Hansen's name. a great name. It is an amazing name. Um but yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Also, Marvel is eyeing the Baba Duke directors for Captain Marvel. So following on the heels, this actually followed basically like a day after I think we did last week's show where they had announced that Brie Larson was in talks for the role. They announced that the, uh, or I guess nothing's official yet. Nothing's even official with Brie Larson. Um, but the current uh, strong indicators that the Duke directors, uh, Jennifer Kent and Nikki Caro, are in line to direct Captain Marvel. I haven't seen any of their movies. Uh, I've mm-hmm. heard good things about the Duke. Um, so I mean, if they get it, best of luck. Yeah, this. I mean, right now there's just so many rumors around this movie. It doesn't even feel worth it to like spend time speculating because they could come out tomorrow and be like, "Well, Brie Larson's not going to be Captain Marvel. It's really going to be." Uh, no. I'm trying to think of another Chris who works uh, in the industry currently. 
Uh, man, they really do have. I think they've already taken all the. Oh, they've taken all the Chris's. Chris Pine. No, they haven't taken Chris Pine. It's gonna be Chris Pine in a wig. That's who they're gonna go with. Chris Pine in a wig to play Captain Marvel. Uh, and they could come out and be like, nope, all those directing rumors were completely false. It's really going to be this guy over here. Um, but as the news becomes evident, we will talk about it here. Speaking of directors, I'm going to skip a little bit here so we can just go ahead and, uh, it's still relevant, that the Flash movie over at DC has found a new director. Uh, so Seth Graham Smith uh, was apparently walked away from the project or was fired we don't really know um but we have uh, heard that they have a new director rick famuyima uh who is known for a recent movie called dope that is on netflix that i've not watched that i've heard is really good uh but apparently everybody is very excited to have him on board and uh there was a picture today actually of his reading his research material for the movie and it's just like these big this is big stack of flash comics from all these different time periods and all these different decades hmm. uh so it's really cool to to have someone who obviously is very passionate about this project and uh you know you hear so many horror stories of people coming in and either not knowing the source material or being like we're just going to throw it all out and this guy's like no nah, we're but it's like let's make this character who this character is uh, so that's that's pretty cool. What do you think about that? Uh, I guess, you know, same thing with the Captain Marvel potential directors. I haven't seen any of his movies. Uh, I have heard good things about Dope. So, I mean, I wish him the best of luck. I'm curious how he takes uh, Snyder's sort of slacker Barry Allen, which we saw for all of two seconds in Batman I mean, v Superman. That's hard to judge as a slacker. They're getting a lot off of two seconds of footage. Just the, sort of that sort of unkempt, you mm. know, Barry usually for, you know, all his, for all he is, typically shows up like prim and proper right? Um, in all of his appearances. So I would say uh, Ezra Miller, who uh, from everything that I have seen him in is, a, seems like a great actor. Um, his, his, the way he's being portrayed in the movie, in like that scene where he's like getting milk, is like a guy that's, you know, probably a little bit younger than us, that's just kind of like doing his own thing. Uh, whether or not he ends up being like a forensic scientist, I'll be curious, but not to say that forensic scientists can't look like hobos, but he definitely has sort of like a interesting look to him in that two second teaser in Batman v Superman. And of course, however, he goes from that to like wearing that robot flash suit in the vision. We shall see. Anyway, uh, cool for the flash. Uh, someone else will die during Civil War 2 should be around the Civil War 3 teaser um, it's also apparently where Bruce Banner is going to show back up in promo images I think also on the cover it shows the Hulk grabbing Iron Man this is interesting because as established in Totally Awesome Hulk Bruce um, was sort of um, no longer has the ability to turn into the Hulk um, so if he somehow is going to be the Hulk in this, um, I will be very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, and if it was like, so right now, Greg Rucka is writing totally awesome Hulk established that who also, you know, wrote planet Hulk and world war Hulk. So he obviously uh, has quite the history with the Hulk. Uh, how many times can you say Hulk in one sent in a one 
conversation. A um, lot. A lot. I, I'd be curious if my conspiracy hats on, and I'm not saying this is a huge or important conspiracy, but it's just like, they have totally awesome Hulk. I'm not saying he would fit the same bill because something clearly happens to She-Hulk during Civil War II um, that Bruce, Hulk or not, would respond to, whether or not she dies or she's like comatose or what. Um, so if that's enough to get him to Hulk back out, even though technically he shouldn't have the ability to Hulk out no matter how angry he gets. I'm just curious. Anyway, someone's going to die and it might be from the Hulk's hand and that will be interesting. Uh, David, it looks like DC has announced a new video game. This they have. This they have. Uh, So for those of you who are fans of the first Injustice game or the Injustice comic, you will be happy to know that Injustice 2, as we mentioned last week, uh, was rumored uh, for release uh, next year. But now we have absolute confirmation. I'm going to play a taste of the trailer here because I want to see if you can recognize the voice over on the trailer there, Nick. Uh, Let's skip forward a little. This is Superman and the Flash. Punching each other. They say that battle changes you. Do you recognize that voice? They say that battle changes you. I recognize it, but I can't think of who it is. I'll play a little bit more, skipping ahead a little bit here. I thought he talked a lot more earlier. Each time I enter the pit, I emerge reborn. It's someone who's very popular right now. I can't think of who. Brian Cranston. Says who? I don't know, just the voice on the trailer says every time I emerge from the pit, which resumes the Lazarus right, the, pit. Well, no, no, they're talking about the fighting pit. Oh, never mind. Yes. Uh, but very exciting uh, today that we know that the that the game is coming. It's, you know, we thought that it was, but it's for sure coming out uh, next year. And we'll feature, at the very least, Batman, Superman, Aquaman, The Flash, and Supergirl, uh, who, who's... I have not read the comics. Um, I still really want to. But Supergirl seems to be emerging as sort of the uh, the antithesis to Superman, like sort of the, the one who's going to face him down. Uh, but this is, this is very cool. Uh, I heard that game was a good time. People seem to really enjoy it. Uh, and speaking of things coming back, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is getting a reboot. Which, honestly, I mean, I can't guarantee that this one's going to be done right. I think, obviously, everyone can look at the last one and be like, this is what maybe didn't work. Um, so maybe there's a bit more co- a, a, a conscious effort not to repeat the mistakes of the last one. Um whether or not they try to be as faithful to the original comics and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is always on those like I read the first volume, never read the second or the third or any of that. They've been on my list to like go back and reread slash like complete the whole work. Um, 
So what I'm trying to say is is that there's no reason why there can't be a good League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. Whether or not we will get it remains to be seen. All we know is that there is one coming, and hopefully it's good. Yeah, this is the movie that pretty much got Sean Connery to stop acting uh, because he had passed on Lord of the Rings and I think Harry Potter and was like, oh, those, yeah, nobody's going to watch that, and those movies were huge. And he's like, all right, fine, I'll be in this movie. It's based on a comic. I don't get it. It must be good. Uh, it obviously wasn't. But we, I think we talked a couple months ago about there were rumors that, uh, that this was probably going to be happening, that the rights were kind of bouncing around. Uh, so this is just confirmation that we're going to get another stinking pile of crap called League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, I mean, we might actually get a, a good movie. Either way, Alan Moore is going to hate it. That's what really matters. Is there anything Alan Moore doesn't hate, do you think? Um, maybe his family. Does Alan Moore have family, or did he kill them? Uh, I think he has a daughter that also writes comics. Do you think that he'll kill her to absorb his power? absorb her power or she'll kill him to absorb his power i mean she should probably kill him but we should see apparently a couple was fined for having sex during batman v superman what? i'm not saying that there's probably more people that had sex during batman v superman and didn't get caught this couple did get caught um apparently the defense lawyer said the couple did not have anywhere where they could spend time together so they Were went they to that homeless movie. What? If they were homeless, sure, but... Get a cheap motel room, people. Come on. I mean, for the price you pay for tickets... I was going to say, it's pretty much the same. Oh, that story bums me out. I, uh, I can't <laughs> go on. Uh, let's talk about something you're really excited about. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'm excited, excited, but obviously you and I are both fans of Greg Capullo, and they finally announced what he'll be working on with Mark Millar, a six-issue miniseries called Reborn. Looks like the whole Rebirth, Reborn thing is kind of in vogue today. It's a very common trend. Um, and it's an interesting idea. It's about, I think, like an 80-something woman, uh, that dies, but instead of going to heaven or hell, she goes to what sounds kind of like a, a Narnia slash like never ending story slash birthrighty type fantasy world. But she's like a young 25 year old again. She does see like her dead dog and a, another person, another dead person in her life, um, but not like her husband. So now that she's been reborn into this fantasy world, uh, she's on a mission to find like she's basically like, oh, well, there's other these other people that died in my world that are now here, so I'm going to go find my husband who must be here. Mm-hmm. So, here's, so, yeah. Yeah, no, what were you saying? Uh, here's, the, here's the official series description. It's not heaven. It's not hell. It's as real and hard as where we live now, but filled with the most amazing fantasy landscapes, jaw-dropping creatures, and a battle raging between good and evil. The people she loved are in this world, her father and her childhood dog, but oddly, not her husband, who had passed over 14 years before, so she sets out to find him. She realizes that she has been reborn as a 25-year-old woman with a sword in her hand and a gun on her hip. Cool. 
Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, I'm just down for more cool art, and so when it comes out, I will be excited to see it. I'll be really interested to see how Millar screws this one up. No, I'm saying that as as a jerk. Uh, this actually is probably the most interesting concept from him in a while that I've heard of that I'm really interested in. Uh, it It's kind of falling on the hook line where he's not poking really hard at a genre and and trying to go at it and think that he's going to write the best story in that genre that's ever been written. Uh, it just seems like a, a kind of a cool idea. Whatever happened to that Scott Snyder story uh, where death doesn't exist? Uh, was it the thing he was working on with Jeff Lemire? I think. I'm going to have Scott Snyder after death. Uh... Like the AD book. Yeah, it was supposed to come out last year. I think it's just on the back burner because if it's between him and Jeff Jeff Lemire, they both got plenty going on. Yeah, that's man, that's sad. Uh, I think that was announced at last um, uh, last Image Expo, right? I want to say like or two. I think it's like two Image Expos ago. So, like maybe early last year, or maybe even 2014, like late 2014. Hmm. Okay, what is this post? This okay. So there actually is a post from April 6, 2016. Uh, the release date for my upcoming graphic novel collaboration with Scott Snyder, entitled "AD After Death," has been set for November of this year. Uh, okay, so it looks like I guess they may, they must have changed it from um, a, a series to just doing it as a graphic novel. Uh, but that's pretty cool. Coming out April 20th. So there's a 16-page preview of After Death uh, that's supposed to have come out April 27th. We somehow missed that. Way to go, us. Good job. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats are back. That's right, people. You wanted them, and they're back. Uh, they... There's been a new book announced as part of the new Riverdale line. And that is Josie and the Pussycats with script by uh, Marguerite Bennett and Cameron D'Ordio with art by Audrey Moak. Uh, the art looks pretty good. I, I, I'm a fan of what I'm seeing there. Uh, you know, just thought it was interesting that they, that apparently Archie is doing well enough that they can keep expanding the line, which is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what else they're going to come out with. Have they? Has there been any announcements for like a Sabrina book yet? That's not. I mean, they've been, Sabrina horror. Uh, I don't know if there's been a like non-horror Sabrina. I feel like they like they had done the whole afterlife with Archie Sabrina, and then like the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or something like that. But it's been like super delayed, so they might be focused on a non-horror Sabrina just yet. Though I think Sabrina is, and the Josie and the Pussycats are also going to be appearing in the Jughead book. Are they? Yeah, not under Chip Zdarsky, but under the new creative team. Hmm. Uh, so this will be the first new title for the band in 22 years, and it is set to come out in September. So for someone out there, I'm sure that's very exciting news. Uh, check it out. Check it out. Check, check it out. You know you want uh, to... Uh, Batman, The Killing Joke, to get a limited theatrical release. David, do you plan to go if it shows at a theater near you? Maybe. Uh, might be interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know it's funny because they know you nerds are going to pay for it. And this also gives it the ability to be nominated for an Oscar, uh, which I doubt that it will. But just just nice to know it has a just chance. That, yeah, you know it, it could. Uh, I, I would definitely be curious though if it was playing somewhere nearby and I could go to a matinee and not spend a lot of money. Because mm-hmm. I could also for get sure. it online for really cheap. Do you, do you plan on seeing it, Nick? Probably not in theaters. I mean, if if a theater around me was going to show, it'd probably be in Boston, and I don't like going into the city, so probably not. Uh, That's cool. all I got. Oh, but oh, and I, this didn't, we didn't put this in the news, but I guess one thing that they've revealed is that the next DC animated movie might actually be Justice League Dark. Oh yeah, yeah. Whether or not it's based on the script that Guillermo del Toro was working on is hard to say, but supposedly the next one will be a supernatural DC character movie, which is pretty awesome regardless of what it's based on. Yeah, Justice League Dark is probably sadly not happening in live uh, adaptation. If they mm-hmm. do do the um, the animated movie, I'd really like to see Matt Ryan uh, back as Come Constantine. Back. I think that'd be really fun. I don't think you will, though. You don't know, man. You don't know. You don't know me. And in other news, so the upcoming Justice League action animated series has some more characters uh, that have been confirmed. And it looks like so far we have designs for Blue Beetle, or what looks like Blue Beetle, uh, the Riddler, Dr. Fate, Shazam, Dr. Light, Mr. Terrific, the Joker, Killer Croc, Firestorm, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Big Barda, probably Zatara, Raish Al Ghul, Harley Quinn, Hawkman, Lobo, Satan Girl, and possibly Black Mask. Hmm. Nice collection of characters. Yeah. It's nice to have them just going full speed on a Justice League cartoon. Yeah, just, you know, it's, it's, it's Justice League, but I think it's just the DC Universe. Um, I mean... And all honestly, like I'm, I don't watch a lot of cartoons anymore, so the likelihood that I will check it out. Really, I just need to start popping out some kids, and so <laughs> I can like have reasons to sit down and watch cartoons. But uh, I, it's not like something that I. It's just all these comics and video games and movies I have to watch. Like I just don't find a lot of time to watch like animated series anymore. But when a good one comes around, so I mean, if, depending on what the the word of mouth is on it, I might check out an episode or two. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. There's, I still haven't watched all of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited that's currently on Netflix. So I'm sure I'll get around to this one never. But <laughs> my kids will probably love it if it's still on when that happens. And if you ever have kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> set to be, yeah, it's set to be released in 11-minute installments, which I still think is odd. Oh, Justice League Action is? Yeah. It's, it's almost like... Like, there's not a budget for cartoons anymore, so they're all done in, well, here's, like, shorter episodes. Uh, so here's what I'd forgotten, that Mark Hamill is doing the Joker in the series. I just thought it was so funny that this guy was like, all right, I'm done after the Batman Arkham games, but I'll come back if they do uh, the killing joke. And now he's like, yeah, I guess I'll, just, I'll do another TV show. Isn't Kevin Conroy also doing Batman? Kevin Conroy. James Woods is Lex Luthor, which is hilarious to me. 
And Diedrich Bader, who voiced Batman in The Brave and the Bold, will be Booster Gold. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Well, I think that does it about for the news this week. This, uh, of course, brings us to us asking a very important question of ourselves. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Man, I gotta get these sounds bumped up. Let's try that one more time. You boys aren't nerds, are you? That's the best we're gonna get right now. Uh, we totally are, and we're gonna recommend some nerd crap to you guys. Nick, what are you recommending? I'm gonna backpedal and be like Batwoman by Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams the third. Uh, it took place in a arc of Detective Comics uh, just before the New 52. And it basically, you know, because at that point, uh, she had appeared in the, the 52 weekly series, maybe had like a, one or two small appearances after that, and then like just hadn't been really appearing in anything regularly. And then I want to say this was just after... Um, after Final Crisis, so Bat, so Bruce Wayne was dead at the time, and they basically told the Batwoman story. So it, it um, bounced between um, her time in the military, then when she left the military, um, and went on to become Batwoman, and also tied into like her familial history. And it was just beautifully well rendered. If you like, I mean, you read some of uh, or all of Salmon Overture, right? Uh, I did not because I realized they were tying some stuff in heavily with uh, Sandman stuff I have not read yet, but I read a couple of issues. So, I mean, you're familiar with J.H. Williams' art, and mm -hmm. it's much of the same on Batwoman, uh, the, the Batwoman arc that they worked on. I mean, that's basically it. If you want a beautiful-looking book with a compelling and engaging character of Kate Kane, the Batwoman, then you should check out Greg Rucka's uh, and J.H. Williams' Batwoman arc. It's uh, called Batwoman Elegy, I believe, if you look it up for trade. Okay, cool. Uh, I am recommending this week uh, a movie, a little film, a film, if you will, uh, and that is 1978's Superman. Uh, unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere. You're going to have to go out and rent it. Uh, this is starring Christopher Reeves as Superman, uh, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, and uh, you have Marlon Brando uh, there as uh, Jor-El. Uh, I'm recommending it because I am going to be on a new podcast uh, called Geek Cinema Society that I've talked about on the show before, and our first episode is going to be all about that movie i had to watch it for the first time in years i have a lot of thoughts on it that i will be sharing on that podcast and if you want to hear them you're gonna to have to listen in uh it's overall a pretty good movie it's all right um uh, but you should still go check it out if you haven't seen it it's very important in the world of of uh of geek cinema and superhero movies and whatnot so Superman from 1978 is what I got. Very cool. Nick, what else do you have to say to our listening audience out there today? I have to say that for those that do listen, I truly appreciate having your ears to this show. And see you again next week for episode 93. 93. Yes, we... I remember back when we were just the lowly first episode. Yes. 
Well, folks, if you do enjoy this show, if you've been listening for a while, or if you're a new listener, please write to us uh, at comics at gmail.com. Tell us anything at all. You can also head on over to com for more information about the show. And you can follow us on Twitter at Heck yeah Comics. You can find me on Twitter at Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And you can find Nick uh, trying to pretend that he hates Wonder Woman Rebirth uh, while reading it under the covers with a flashlight so no one can see his secret shame. If you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, we will say for now, goodbye. <laughs>